Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Tower cleared. Welcome to Space 3D. This is Eleanor Rangers, and along with my co-moderator, Tom Hill, let's pick up where we left off on our last podcast discussion with systems engineer Andre Dress on satellite mission mishaps and review boards. We'll conclude part two of our interview with Andre Dress, discussing his ongoing satellite mission work during his regular job responsibilities at NASA Goddard Space Flight Center. Was there a natural feeling when you felt you were done where you could stop? Yeah. The, so it's interesting, you know, we, we spent um, three to four months uh, in this process. And, and of course this, this was not my day job. You know, this is, was other duties as assigned, so to speak, you know, which, which happens all the time uh, when you, when you work in these, you have your normal job, but you get asked to sit on other review panels and for, for various. Yeah. Various Most of them of don't things, last three right? to four months though. <laughs> right, right. So, but the, you know, the the entire thing will last that long. Um, you you may get to the answer um, pretty quickly, right? You know, let's say in a couple of weeks. All right, we figured out what's what's going on here. So, what recommendations we want to do, you know, and and so you you typically will you know spend some time with the this mishap board, you know, vetting out what what it is you want to recommend, you know, the findings. And, and of course you work that with the, the operations team that's in place, you know, and say, here's what we're thinking, you know, you know, and try to bounce it off of them also. Um, but then of course reports need to be written, you know, briefs need to be given, you know, in this case went all the way up to the administrator. And so all the, all that takes time, right? Because you got to travel, you got to get together. And, and again, the, you know, this, this, this team of people, has a, another job that they have to do on a daily basis, right? right? <laughs> so, so it's 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 not as easy as you know, hey, you know, let's take this group of people and and put them in the room for an entire month, and and uh, you know, one hundred percent of the time they have to go back to their their other jobs and and do those also. So so that combination of all that activities, um, you know, can lead to a longer period of time before you know the team is done. So, so to speak, while, while, while you may have actually come to the conclusion much earlier. So given your uh, background with operations and things like that, did, it, did the course change once you realized it was more of an institutional type, that was an institutional knowledge type thing? Or was it, did you feel that you were still moving in the same direction? Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the institutional knowledge thing, I'm assuming you're talking about the retiree the, and the... Uh, yeah. Retiree, right? Yeah, I mean that that's that pro that problem is inherent um, everywhere, right? Um, you know, expertise gets built over time, right? And and then ultimately that expertise uh, will retire yeah. or go go to a different right. job, right? And and so you can't you can't expect it to be around uh, forever, right? And you know, so it's always uh, you know a challenge to how do we do this mind meld from this expert into these other people to uh, you know to make sure that that knowledge is, isn't lost. You know, a lot of times that that happens over over time by you know having junior, less experienced engineers working with the more experienced 
engineers, and and that kind of can help. One of, one of the things that became obvious, and you know, in a mission that's that's uh, like MGS, where it, it was kind of it was a mission that was continuing to go right. So in other words, um, its its operational lifetime, which may have only been a few years, was now ten years. And so the tendency over time is to like, well, we don't need to give them. We can give them less money, give them less money just to operate it and keep it going. Um, but things are failing, right? And people are leaving and you really need to take a good assessment of, okay, what do we really need to make sure that this capability that we have in orbit is uh, sustained for a long period of time? Yeah, that's a classic thing. You're willing to accept Um, more risk until the risk comes home to roost. Right. So there's now, um, there's reviews once a year for these continuing missions that, you know, to reevaluate, okay, do we have the right amount of funding here? You know, so that's a, a board that decides that, or, you know, does, or are they having some challenges that they need us uh, different resources and, and stuff to keep the mission going, right? Or to terminate the mission. The M criteria came up during a review. It was for the spacecraft that was about to launch. And my point was, MGS applies more to the missions that are getting phased out, you know, when you're down to just one or two of them still on orbit in a, in the goes scenario, you normally have three or four on orbit and we were getting down to, you know, just one of the old versions. And that was the, that was where MGS stuff applied more, I thought. Yes, I, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You want, you want to keep, you want to keep your, your eye on the ball, you know, when, at the end of the mission, you know, the, the most interesting times in a mission are right at the beginning and right at the end. Uh, it's when you learn the most about it because at the beginning, you're just trying to define what it is that you're going to operate and how it works. Uh, at the end of the mission, everything's breaking. And uh, so you're, <laughs> you know, you're trying to uh, um, keep it going. And so you, you know, you, you get a lot of challenges in that environment and, and so I, I got a lot of my experience on the Landsat mission where it was at the end. Things were always breaking, and, and uh, we were constantly coming up with new ways of keeping Yeah, I, end, I ended up working on Landsat 5 as well for a while and uh, took it almost to the end. Everybody thinks they're working on the end of Landsat 5. Right. <laughs> but it is over now. It's over now. 2013, right. we shut her down. Right, right. Absolutely. Would you say that you mentioned about those annual reviews now to determine resourcing and so forth that they can you could still execute, you know, successful mission? Was that one of the direct outcomes of the MGS investigation? Yes, it was. You know, that there there should be a, you know, a relook when you're planning to extend a mission, you know, do we have the appropriate resources? Do we have the appropriate engineers? Is, you know, are the is the the training in place and the procedures being updated? Th- those types of things, and and those those happen, and they and they do happen now. You know, there's there's typically a yearly review that goes on. I know for one extreme example of that, what was it? EO one, I think, ended up being run out of a closet with like two guys or something like that, and it was yeah, it was, it was like <laughs> really, well, you know, it's it's still going. Yeah, and nobody's really asking for images that often, so when somebody asks, we get the two guys in the closet and they, you know, they send the commands and everything works. Oh, okay. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Nobody likes to shut them down once they're in orbit. Right. So it seems to be a struggle. Um, I I have a question regarding, if I recall, this was a fairly high profile 
thing that happened. I mean, I remember stories in the news regarding it. And I'm just curious, um, when you were tasked with sitting on this committee, did you have to deal with the press very much? And I'm curious if you did have to deal with the press, how knowledgeable they were, uh, and were there, you know, was it, were, was there any instance where they, they might have been a deterrent to your work or, you know, where did they get it right in terms of also communicating the, the outcomes from your committee? Just kind of curious about that dynamic. Yeah, I mean, so uh, there there was curiosity, I think, from from the press um, because of what happened. And that said, it did not really it did not affect our, our team. Um, certainly, I, I was not the chair on this mission, so and I was not aware of uh, the chair being pulsed by the by the press at all for for this mission. You know, for the anomaly investigation, I do know um, that. You know, at higher levels, once the investigation was complete, that all had to be briefed to, uh, I believe, Congress and and then also the the press. So, I mean, the short answer to your question is is it did not affect us at all um, because they they really were not um, you know involved in, in our you know talking to any of the team members and stuff like that. At least, not that I was aware of. Um, you know, my my observation with the press is typically there's there's more excitement on the launches, right? And, and there's, a lot, there's a lot of uh, questions and, and interaction with the press in, in that phase of a mission as opposed to the end. I mean, certainly uh, MGS was providing us a, a service, but it, it satisfied its mission requirements many years before, right? And it was hard to see it go, but at the same time, it, it had done its uh, a noble job. Yeah, data relay years. and an occasional picture of a, of a slide of, slide on Mars just didn't really capture the attention that all the noise of a launch would. I think, if, as I recall, that the fact that it had been operating for so many years in some respects was lost when the news came out about this anomaly that had occurred. Yeah, it's it's possible that that gets uh, missed in the in the translation, right? Um, you know, you, you want to, I guess, it's, it's, there's more excitement about a problem, you know, <laughs> in things that they don't go wrong as opposed to all the stuff that goes right over the years that NASA does and uh, in the space agencies, um, NASA, you know, NOAA and, and USGS and USGS, uh, you know, do a lot of great work. And, and that by and large goes, uh, you know, unnoticed at times for yeah, sure. Once you become infrastructure, it's only noticed when something goes wrong. Right. That's right. definitely one of the interesting discussions we might want to have in the future. The difference between NASA missions that are typically science based and your NOAA missions, which get into the operations where there's literally lives at stake and delivery times are the critical point and things along those lines. Yeah, there's there's a big difference in those missions and, and the amount of money that gets spent on the, the different types of missions, operational satellites that are, you know, weather and, you know, people's lives depend on it you know, are more critical and, of course, require higher funding and attention. And whereas uh, the science missions, you know, they're not national assets. Uh, They're important. They spend a lot of money gets spent on them, but not not uh, typically the same amount as as you would with like a GOES or a JPS. Building whole new antennas because somebody realized that the old ones aren't ready for a hurricane. Right. So (laughs) but most of our other discussions have been with like human factors and space and things along those lines. So kind of pulling it a little towards that. Do you have any insight into how your investigation differed from like one that, that involved 
uh, human spaceflight incident? So, uh, you know, I kind of gave my bio there at the beginning. And, and of course, none of those actually said, uh, you know, human spaceflight. And uh, so I don't really have a whole lot of experience on that. I mean, but that said, um, I got to believe that the, you know, from my observations anyways, and seeing what happened, say, in the Columbia and the, uh, the Challenger incidents or other ones, is the process is the same, right? You know, the, the urgency may be different, right? So if there's people on board a spacecraft and, you know, in orbit, your sense of urgency um, may be heightened in how much time you have to resolve them. Um, you know, but typically human spaceflight type of missions have a lot of redundancy, um, backup systems and things like that. But it just amplifies the, the need for putting in place good procedures that are, you know, well-practiced, well-rehearsed, uh, and the need for people to follow them and not deviate from those procedures because, you know, they have been well-practiced and well-understood and well-rehearsed because lives are on the line, right? And and when people don't follow the the process at times, you know, bad and things can, can happen, happen quickly and they can happen quickly. Right. So, so my, my response would be that I, I think the process is the same, but I think it's, you know, the urgency is uh, probably much more critical and um, much more weighing on the team. What do you sure. think if there was one outcome from your investigation, what do you think the, the biggest thing was? What's the biggest change you've seen? Um, I think the, you know, the, the reviews that, that occur, you know, on an on a annual basis on a lot of missions, you know, to, to reevaluate the operations, that's the biggest change I've seen. The, the, uh, the biggest surprise for me in, in the investigation was, was probably the, the fact that something got set in motion, you know, six months prior and did, you know, and that persisted there, that little, little bomb and wait, waited for six months. Yeah, it was just sitting there latent. And, uh, yes. And, uh, to all these conditions lined up and, and, uh, you know, caused this, this huge anomaly and of course the loss of the spacecraft. So that was my biggest, I was like, wow, that's just amazing that, you know, typically anomalies happen very shortly after somebody's done something wrong or, you know, some problem has happened has, you know, it manifests itself pretty quickly, right? Uh, it snowballs fast, right? And, and in this case, um, it really showed me that, wow, you know, there's, th these things can really take a long time to uh, develop and manifest themselves. So it's, again, you know, you got to make sure that you follow the procedures and stuff to, 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 to mitigate that type of problem in the future. Yeah, the first thing when something goes wrong is you have to say, okay, what did we just do? And how could that have caused this? And usually you don't know that at the time. It's just, well, right. can we undo what we just did? You know, of course, you got your, your first level, get the spacecraft safe and make sure you're safe for some sort of long term and then start gathering facts and data and start, start working the trees, working the, working the flow charts. Right. Yeah, I, I can remember, you know, on on goes when I was um, working that I was a uh, contractor at the time working for CSC and and we were doing the software load and and uh, and all of a sudden the all you know if you ever worked in operations you know you have all these numbers and graphs in front of you and and typically everything has uh, limits on it so if it you know if it's 
becoming a problem, it turns yellow. If it's become, it has, is now a problem, it turns red, you know, and then just see the entire screen in front of me just go red, you know, <laughs> everything, everything lights up. You're just like, Oh my gosh. All right. I can remember this day of saying, I right, get out your procedure <laughs> and start executing, right. And following it through. And, and of course we, we solved that problem, but uh, we followed the, the procedures that we had put in place. And Yeah. Curious. Um, In addition to the, recommendation for these annual reviews for staffing and so forth. Were there any changes implemented on to the point about like this particular issue was an institutional one insofar as transition of um, institutional memory from one employee to the next? Were there any changes implemented in how that transition or succession plan takes place with any anyone involved in the mission? Yeah, so so it's all in in training and how how people are say certified for to work on a mission, you know. Um you're I don't know that you're ever going to 100%, you know, get all the the details from somebody's mind that has that has potentially worked on the mission say for the past 6 years. And then then somebody that comes in and, and a year later, you know, are they going to have all the experience. It's very difficult to do that. So that's, I mean, that's why it's very important to to document the procedures on how you how you do things and follow them. And in this case, that wasn't that didn't happen. You know, people didn't follow the right procedures. Also, putting in the place a training programs, you know, that that get established and followed and get updated and stuff as as time goes on. I mean, they, those are important things to do. It's never 100% and nothing will ever be 100%, but it goes a long way to to ensuring that people are at least getting that training and and hopefully the you know there is a the succession plan is in place um you know having somebody following the other person for 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 a good enough period. Now that's it's never a guarantee because people can switch jobs and give their two weeks notice, you know, and, right. and yep, that uh, they're gone. Right. And, you know, or, you know, there's unfortunate, you know, people, people pass, right. You know, it, there's no, so there's never a hundred percent guarantee on that. You, you do the best you can, you put things in place and, and that's, that's, I think that's all you can do. I was working do. on one project where a guy had taken to riding, riding his bike to work and he literally got hit by a beer truck. Was, was he okay? For a while, it was uh, it was pretty rough, but it it was just we were like, "You've got to be kidding me! That does not happen. That's just a stupid sim thing." We say, talking about right, simulations. Right. Uh, just a little background: when Andre and I were working together, I was the simulation lead for some of the goes uh, preparations, the launch preparations, and during one of the scenarios, this was not, it wasn't intentional, but a bird got into the operation center and was flying around the op center and people were screaming and diving under desks and all this stuff while we're trying to do this simulation. And I got complimented on my excellent sim input. And of course, when you're complimented like that, you just say, oh yeah, you know, we did our best. We had to get the bird, you know, we had to fill out all sorts of paperwork and all that sort of thing. But one of those crazy things right. <laughs> going on in the, in the old building in Suitland. Yeah, or you may you may actually simulate a person like a, let's say you have a team of uh, people uh, that are on console, right? And part of the simulation may be, you know, you, as you as the sim director may come up and say, "Okay, you uh, got hit by a beer truck." Right, because today, if that so person, here. If, if everybody's See relying if on that it. person too much, you need to show them that. That's basically the scenario. Right, and so then that person would be out of the sim. 
Uh, and then the rest of the team would have to go on because these events take place, right? You know, you don't, you don't, uh, you can't just stop because, uh, you know, somebody is not no longer there, right? You have to continue. Yep. yep. It's, uh, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting world working in operations. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, so your current duty is pace. What's, uh, what's the story on that? What, uh, what are we looking at for when do you think it's going to launch? What kind of phase is it in? So we are in phase B, um, and so this uh, the PACE mission is uh, the spacecraft and the main instrument are being built at Goddard Space Flight Center. Um, so uh, I, my, I have a very good team at, at Goddard, and that's engineers that, uh, and developers and stuff that support me. Uh, we also have uh, two smaller instruments. Uh, one is coming from uh, UMBC, and uh, another one is coming from the Dutch. And uh, so our current launch date is uh is august of 2022 so a little less than uh, four years from now <laughs> so uh we're we're we just got through our preliminary design review for for all the instruments and in, in the spacecraft and and uh so we'll we probably won't get into phase c until next year um but the instruments and the spacecraft are well on their way as far as you know hardware development and procuring um, major equipment and, and flight hardware and building it and stuff like that. So, so it's, it's interesting, um, having where you're building everything. Uh, that's for sure. You, you don't have true. anybody it's to all blame. on center. You know, yeah. You can't yourself, go kick right? some contractor and saying, Hey, you're not doing it right. And then right, what, you'll be right. bringing your ops crew online in a couple of years at this point with that timeline. We have, we do have some people on board now. I mean, the team is, is small because, I mean, you, you try to phase these things in, right? You know, so actually the, the PDR for the ground system won't occur until February of, of next year, right? I like to have a good understanding of the hardware, the spacecraft, and the instruments. And so that get that understanding first, and then the operations team, um, you know, picks up and uh, develops the ground system and develops the procedures and stuff like that. But you certainly want... Um, some some ops people in early on so that can help guide uh, certain ways of doing things and, you know, keep them in the conversations. And so that that's helpful so that, you know, you don't get something that you can't use uh, later. You know, I kind of, I always use the analogy when I was younger going through college, I, I worked as an, as an auto mechanic and I used to always, uh, you know, working on the cars, you know, out of these tight places where I had to put my hand and, you know, and you'd bust your knuckles and trying to, to work on them. And I used to complain, I said, who are these engineers that uh, were designing this car that nobody could work on or had a very difficult time. So, you know, it's kind of, I feel like operations is really like the, the mechanic, you know, they're, you know, working on the car and stuff like that. And I found myself, Jeez, who thought of right. this? Especially when something stupid on the spacecraft yeah. comes together with something stupid in the ground system, and it's like, oh come on! So, so it's nice to have the, those people um, that are focused on that as part of your team early. I mean, again, you don't want you don't want a ton of them because if you have too many people, of course, then that's that's money um, that you're spending. Um, so you have to be mindful of that also. Yeah, the uh, they, there is a step by step process to this. You know, it's it's a you got to plan in advance and uh, before before you get to launch. And it's it, there's it's not exactly right. a cookbook, but there's some good guidelines. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, the agency has certain procedures and and, and uh, just like you would in operations, but how to 
formulate a mission, how, you know, all the gates that you have to go through. And those are, you know, tried and true procedures that we follow. Um, of course, you always try to, you know, um, if something's no longer applicable because, you know, we get smarter or, you know, things change, um, then, you know, there's always opportunity to uh, modify or, you know, change those procedures. And, and so NASA is in the process of always evaluating those things. Um, on and a, on updating them with basis. lessons learned from things like MGS. Well, That's hopefully correct. we don't learn that that way too often, which uh, seems to be seems to be the case. Uh, well, Andre, I really want to thank you. It's an interesting discussion. Yeah, this was great. I certainly learned a lot as a health science background. So I appreciate this. Appreciate the uh, chance to interview you. Excellent. Absolutely. Andre. It was fun. We hope that you enjoyed part two of our interview with systems engineer Andre Dress. Join Tom Hill and me, Eleanor Rangers, on our next Space 3D podcast, where we chat with Rand Simberg about risk aversion and its impact on space exploration.